Can we avail ourselves tonight to the Lord? I believe the Lord wants to do something in us and through us tonight. He wants to bring us in unity and in his fellowship. Amen. Can we do that tonight? Lord, Heavenly Father, we come before you, Jesus. Blessed be your name. Hallelujah. Lord, we worship you. Hallelujah. Lord, we set our minds, Father, upon you. Hallelujah. Father, I pray, Jesus. Hallelujah. I pray, Lord God, the working of your spirit tonight, Father, in each and every one of us, Lord God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Blessed be your name. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Iandoria masio toria siondoria. Iriosiandoria masio toria. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Lord, we worship you. Hallelujah. We worship you. Hallelujah. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name. Hallelujah, Jesus, hallelujah. Lord, we come together, Father, tonight. We come together, Lord God. Father, have your way in us, Jesus, hallelujah. Blessed be your name, blessed be your name. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Amen. It's important for us to, when we come together, that we be sensitive to his spirit. That we avail ourselves to the spirit of God. Amen. I, uh, I was reading about Moses and uh, God called Moses. And I think Moses was just exactly... Like any one of us, you know, he was human. I'm sure he had made a lot of mistakes. We know that when he came out of Egypt, you know, he had killed a man. And the Lord sees him and finds him there and tells him, I'm choosing you, Moses, to go and speak for my people. And man... That is wonderful and marvelous because I remember as the Lord did that in my life and then as he's done it in each and every one of your lives, wherever it might have been, wherever he had called you. But when Moses got there and he was speaking to Pharaoh, what happened? Opposition came. The Bible says that there was some opposition there that he met. We know that because Pharaoh had some magicians there and they did all these little trickery things, you know, Janus and Jambres. And they came out and the Bible says they did exactly what Moses did. Right. They turned their sticks into snakes and. But Moses kept his faith in the Lord and he 
he was sure inside of his heart that God had called him to do that. That's what we have to do in these last days, in these times. We got to hold on to our faith of where God brought us from and what he's put inside of us. Every precept that he's given you, everything that you've walked along the way and you've received of him, his word and his truth, you got to hold on to that. You got to stand firm and stay true and faithful to him. Because he's going to perform what he needs to in us. He is. God will perform it. He showed that to Moses. He performed it. All those magicians and all, all those people of Egypt, they seen it unfold. Man, what a sight that was. That God delivered his people and took them out of there. And brought them to a promised land. A land of abundance. I'm thankful for that. Because sometimes things aren't that great. In this life, man, there's a lot of opposition. There's a lot of things that happen. But I'm so thankful to him. And full of joy when I'm in his presence. That I know, man. He's going to give me victory. I have faith in him. Why? Because he's proved it over and over, time and time again. He's proved it over and over and over. And I'm going to hold on to that. Amen? Would you do that? Would you pray with me one more time? Lord, blessed be your name. Lord, you've called us, each and every one of us, Father. Lord, you performed, Lord God, everything that you needed to do in each and every person, Lord God. Father, that there might be no doubt, Lord God, in you, hallelujah, that you are able, Lord God, to perform it and to complete it, Lord God, until the end, I pray, hallelujah, Jesus, hallelujah, Jesus, hallelujah, Lord, we love you, Father. We worship you. Hallelujah. I pray that you would have your way in us tonight, Lord God. You have your way, Jesus. Hallelujah. I pray that your word would have its perfect way, Lord God. Father, that your understanding would flow to each and every one of us, Father. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Man, why don't you stand for just a moment? Shake the hand of the person next to you. Tell them it's good to see them. And you may be seated. Tell them you may be seated. you have a Bible, and I hope you do in some form tonight, because I want to do some reading in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and I strongly encourage you to read along if you are at all able to do so. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 
While you're turning there, I'll remind you to keep Elder Hart and Bishop Schoonover in your prayers this week. They are in Maryland for a pause meeting at Bishop Chester Wright's location. So let's keep them in prayer. I'm looking forward to what the Lord's going to do there and through extension what he'll do through all of us. Amen. First Corinthians chapter two. And I'm going to do, like I said, I'm going to do some reading in chapter two and in chapter three, Lord willing. So stay with me. I, I was reminded a while back of a morning when I was driving my oldest daughter, Annabelle, to school. When we were living in Mississippi at the time, I was driving her to school one morning on my way to work, and it was kind of our habit to pray me for me to pray for her as we were driving. It was a short drive, so it was a short prayer usually. But uh, one day I uttered some words really without thinking in, in detail about what it meant or why I would say that. Um, but then it kind of became something that I said more than once, and I felt like this is a thing to pray for, and it's since become something that I pray for frequently for um, all of the children, my children, myself, my wife, and um, essentially what I said was, uh, uh, to, to go back to that first time, I, I said, Lord, I pray that she would grow in wisdom and knowledge and understanding. And I thought, man, that sounds pretty good. I'm not smart enough to come up with something like that, but I like it. And uh, since then, like I said, I've just uh, continued to think along those lines and pray along those lines as I pray for them. Um, and a little over a month ago, I was planning and prepared to minister along that topic on a Wednesday night here, and we showed up, and half the building was underwater. So I remember exactly when it was, and I didn't minister it that night, and I don't intend to minister it tonight, except there may be some elements of some of the things we talk about uh, in, this, in this passage. But just want, I just want to mention that and clarify and kind of say what it is that I'm thinking and, and and I think it is good for all of us to think about it because if, if we're not growing, I would say we're not walking with the Lord. We grow and we progress and we change every day as he does and as he leads us. He, he leads us into greater wisdom. He leads us into a deeper understanding and a closer walk. And those are things that should be characteristics of our Christian life, our walk with him. Um, I've been attending in some form or fashion a church now for, well, at least 33 years. And 
Uh, I'll be the first to say I didn't learn it all when I was 5 or 10 or 15 or 20 or 25 or 30, and I'm not 35 yet, but I don't expect to have learned it all by the time I'm 35. But I want to grow, and I want to learn more, and the more that I learn about God, the more I realize there's so much more to learn. He leads us that way. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 1, and I know that this has become a somewhat of a familiar passage to many of us uh, in, in our congregations here. Um, I want to read a couple of these verses just so you can see where we're starting. 1 Corinthians 2 and 1, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech, everyone say my speech. And my speech and my preaching, everyone say my preaching, was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. I'm going to point out to you again in verse 4. He said, my speech and my preaching. And he purposely draws a distinction between the two. And I want to point that out because I'm, I'll be honest and, and confess to you, as I hear and think and as I have heard often this scripture taught and, and referred to, to me, in some degree, it's become what to look for in a preacher. And I'm not saying that negatively, but I am pointing out that tonight to say it's not the entirety of the meaning of this passage. Because, and here's why, the moment we say what to look for in a preacher and relegate this passage to simply that, well, first of all, if I can convince myself I'm not a preacher, then I can convince myself that doesn't have to apply, apply to me directly. And therefore, instead, I'll just hold a man of God or a woman of God up to that light. But Paul says, at first, my speech when I was with you and my preaching. So whether I was talking to you on the way to your house or your neighbor's house or the synagogue or once I stood up in the midst of everyone to declare the word of God, I was doing so in this manner. My speech and my preaching, it was not with excellency and, and with enticing words and to show you how smart I was. But in my speech and in my preaching, I determined not to know anything except Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's how Paul says he ministered to the church. In verse 5, again, he says it, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. If, if I had convinced you that I did this through my wisdom, then especially in my absence, you would heap to yourselves men of wisdom. You would think, man, that guy Paul was so smart, 
He knew it all. He could say it all. He declared it all. Now that he's gone, either somebody here needs to rise up and attain that level of wisdom, or we need to find somebody else to do so. And that is missing the point entirely. Paul was just trying to live out what he knew to be the right way to live. Now, verse 6, it starts with the word, how be it. That's, a, that's changing gears a little bit. He's saying, even though, or even in such a case, or otherwise speaking, is everybody still with me? How be it, we, everybody say we, we speak wisdom among them that are perfect. Okay, hang on. We didn't see anything like that in, in verses 1 through 5. He was just saying, if I can put it this way, don't go into a conversation or a time of ministry with the intent of convincing the listener that you know XYZ about the Bible. That's, in, that's enticing words of men's wisdom and don't go there. Now then he changes in verse 6 and says, but how be it, however, we speak wisdom among them that are perfect. Among them that are perfect. When I am with, and, and this is King James Version, them that are perfect, when I'm with them, I'm speaking wisdom. They're speaking wisdom. We together collectively are speaking wisdom. Everybody say wisdom. But we speak, oh sorry, verse 6, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor the princes of this world, that come to naught. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Even the hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the world unto our glory. You, brother and sister in Christ. You who are perfect, to put it Paul's way. You have a form of speech. You have a, a way of talking, a, a type of communication that God ordained from the beginning of the world. I bet you didn't even know that. I didn't know that. That, that when, I was, when, I, when I was made complete, made perfect. Now, we know, and I'm not going to take the time to drag us through what it really means to be perfect and complete. Because nobody in here is a perfect human. Okay, there is no such thing. We've got our past, we've got our baggage, we've got our flaws and all that. But he's saying the perfect one, he who has gone through the work that God wants him to go through, including repentance and baptism in the name of Jesus and the infilling of the Spirit of God with the 
sign of speaking in tongues. That's a complete or a perfect person. And when you are such, your way of speaking is a type of communication that God ordained from the beginning of the world. I said this too much. I'm trying not to get ahead of myself. Some of our children have been attending public school for the last couple of months. It's kind of a new endeavor for some of them. And it didn't take long for them to come back home with stories of things that they were hearing and seeing and experiencing that in their collective 10 to 15 years in the Flowers household, they did not hear or see or experience. And I'm okay with that to a, a degree. I knew that we were sending them outside of the house and that they were going to see and hear and experience and witness things that they didn't inside the house. I knew that going into it, okay? But at, at a, a certain point, especially when, when Callum started attending and he's in fourth grade, and I share that in common with him, in fourth grade I made a change from a private education to a public school myself. So I kind of can remember things Along those lines. And I remember the ways that these young people were communicating. And it was not like any type of communication that I had witnessed and experienced firsthand to that point. So I, I guess you could say I drafted um, a message to my children to try my best to explain to them why they don't talk like the others do. Why they don't communicate that way. Now, I, I wasn't going in this, oh man, son, daughter, Second Corinthians says, you speak. No, I was just trying to draw the distinction between what a child of God's speaks like, communicates, and what those who have not come to this understanding, what they communicate, and how they communicate. And I'm just trying to simply draw the distinction between the two. It's how we communicate to one another. I'm going to read verse 7 again. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew. That's the second time he's thrown in that word princes. He's, Paul is drawing a distinction, not just between a saint and an unbeliever, but when he, th when he throws in princes, he's talking about the elite, if I can put it this way, the elite of the non-believers, the wisest, the most educated, the, those who have attained what this world sees as glory, those people. None of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, and stay with me, this is another passage you have seen and, and read before and heard. But as it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God had, hath prepared for them that love him. 
But God hath revealed them unto us by his spirit. He's still talking about the, the hidden wisdom that we speak. The hidden wisdom that we communicate to one another. He says, remember in, in what was it? Verse 6, we speak wisdom among them that are perfect. This is him explaining the wisdom that we speak among them that are perfect. The things that the eye has not seen. The things that the ear has not heard. The things that have not entered into the hearts of men are the things that we communicate because God has revealed them to us. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. Verse 11, for what? Now where he's going to change again his, his, his delivery here. and what he's, he's talking about the whole thing, the, the same thing through this whole passage, but he hits on a piece here and a piece here, and I don't want you to miss it. Verse 11, for what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of a man, which is in him. Simply put, that means you don't know what's inside of me, and I don't know what's inside of you. What man knows the things of a man? I don't know what Brother Jerry was doing today at 2.55 p.m. I don't know the thoughts that were going through his head and his, and his spirit and all those things. I know he's had a, a little bit of a sickness going on in his house because he shared that with some of us. But that's about all I know because he chose to share it. But the inner workings of the man, I don't know. Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Now, we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. We receive the Spirit of God so that we might know the things of the Spirit of God. I, I think I used this analogy or, or an example like this recently. Um, if, you're, if, you're, if you're communicating to a group of non-believers, I'm just going to keep using that term. I think we're safe, comfortable with that term, right? If you're communicating to a group of non-believers and you're communicating about these types of things, sometimes you see what looks like a blank stare or sometimes you see what looks like a puzzled expression. I, I don't even, are you speaking English right now? What is it that you're talking? Well, I'm just talking about what the Lord's done for me. I'm talking about his spirit, the, the ways that he's worked for me. And all the greatness of the Lord that I've, that I've seen and, and been able to receive. And they're just like, man, what language is that? I don't get that. It doesn't make sense. It's not com computing in, in the brain. We receive this spirit so that we can understand those things. He, he called it a mystery earlier in this chapter. We speak a mystery. That the term mystery, and it's used a couple of times throughout Scripture, what it means is not something that's unknown, 
or unable to be understood, but it means something that's hidden until the time that it's revealed. It would be kind of silly if my, if my kids said, if, if they had a sign on the door, knock and say the password, and I knock and they say, what's the password? And I'm thinking, I don't know, hamburger. No, that's not it. Uh, French fries. No, that's not it. What was the password? I don't know. We didn't come up with one. I mean, I wouldn't put that past my children. But that's not the same as a mystery that we're talking about here. What is God? Oh, I don't know. He can't, we can't come up with a God. How does he work? Oh, we don't know. We don't understand. That's not how it works. He has shown these things. He has revealed them to you and I. Verse 14, but the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things. I want you to get this verse. Verse 15 if you're not watching closely and paying attention, it's one of those verses you can read like 10 times and be like, I still don't get this. What, what, how does this apply to me? How does this apply to anyone? But watch it. He that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. And we, we would like to use that as, okay, good. No man, no man can judge me. I'm above judgment. Nope. Sorry. That's not what this is saying. If you read other translations, you get the full understanding of the picture here. It's, it's piggybacking off of the verses we just read. Since no man knows what's going on inside of you, that man in his humanity cannot judge you correctly. Rightly. And you'll be in trouble if you try, I promise you. I mean, it's not, it's not a road that you want to go down. Ooh, Brother Lewis, what you been up to this week? Golly, man. I don't know how I feel about that. I don't know what he's been. Uh, and this is just, I'm trying to, to judge him. That's not a spiritual act that I'm doing. I, really, uh, that's speculating. Okay? That's what that is. It's speculating. It's not spiritual. That's the end of that public service announcement. Thank the Lord. It's, it, it, it's, again, it's saying no man can understand you or I. And when you put it in that context and you and you really get the, the understanding of the scripture, really it means it's, it's telling you why you don't fit in. It's, you don't speak the same, you don't act the same, you don't talk the same. And so no man can rightly understand what's going on inside of you. Man, look at that guy, Tim Sanchez, he's always happy. That, that, why, why is he always happy? That doesn't make sense to me. I just don't get it. No man is able to properly judge that. Do you see what I'm saying? 
there's, there's a lack of understanding because it's something that's spiritual in nature. I was thinking about this as I was praying before service. Lord, why did you make us Christians such complicated people? I mean, why, why, can't, you, why can't you just like give us a, a, a little pamphlet and, and that I can hand to somebody and say, this is why I am the way I am? That would, that would make life so much easier. You want to know what I'm doing tomorrow night? Okay, here you go. Here's, there's the exam. That's the explanation for who I am and what I, why I do what I do. He, it doesn't work that way. But I thought about him, Jesus, and you look through his life and the things that he did, how he spent his time. He didn't go around saying, no man can judge me. I am the son of the most high. No man knows my thoughts. No man can attain that which has been given to me. No, he doesn't do that. He said, I've come to heal the sick. The well don't need a doctor. The sick need the doctor. And that's really all I'm here to do is try to help people. So he is our example of this. He didn't walk around speaking in a, in a language that others couldn't understand in this passage when he was outside of those who were perfect. Now, with his disciples, we get to see a lot of it. And there's even examples of this very thing playing out. Jesus with a group of people. And he tells a parable. And then those who really want to know, those who have a desire to know, come to him and say, what in the world did you just say? Oh, well, let me break it down for you. When I said this, I was talking about this. When I, was said, when I said this, I was talking. And there, he's, he's speaking wisdom among them that are perfect. Verse 16, for who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Now look at chapter 3, verse 1. Is everybody still doing all right? We need a seventh inning stretch here or anything? Is everybody doing okay? It's a baseball reference. Chapter 3, verse 1. Now the fact this, that this verse starts with the word and is part of the reason why we needed to hear what we just heard. And I... Brethren, could not speak to you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto ye were not able to bear it. And if this was me, I would think, well, thank the Lord I've progressed. But then he says... Neither yet now are you able. You weren't able to hear it then, and you're not able to hear it now. So, so basically, Paul told them why he couldn't tell them things in great detail, and then he told them he still can't tell them things in great detail. But you know what else he does? He still tells them details. Neither yet now are you able, for ye are yet carnal. Everyone say carnal. For ye are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, 
Are you not yet carnal and walk as men? For while one saith, I am of Paul, and another I am of Apollos, are you not yet carnal? Who then is Paul and who is Apollos, but ministers by whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave to every man? I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. You're yet carnal because you don't understand how the spiritual works. You don't understand spiritual labor. You don't understand the work that I did or the work that Apollos did or any man that brought you to Christ. You don't really have a full understanding of their labor because it was spiritual in nature. And with your lack of spiritual understanding, you are conveying, you are expressing your carnality. We think carnality and we automatically think, oh, dirty, nasty sin, carnality. But what Paul here is saying is just because of the fact that there is a lack of spiritual knowledge, it shows that you still have carnality. And the moment you try to figure out something spiritual without the spirit, you're going to wallow in that carnality. Sorry. Not sorry. Now he that, verse, verse 8, Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. I'm going to read that last part again. Every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. You get rewarded according to your own labor. That, that almost sounds carnal because it makes a little bit of sense. Oh, time out. We don't want to go back down that road. Because he's, he's telling them, you're, there's strife among you because you're trying to figure out the spiritual through a carnal means. There's envying among you because you're trying to discern the spirit without the work of the spirit. You don't understand how the spiritual labor that took place among you really happened. Verse 9. Thankful that Pastor Paul breaks this down in more detail. For we, everyone say we, we, that's Paul and anyone that reads this, that he wrote this to, we, me and you and Apollos and all these people involved in this spiritual work. We are laborers together with God. Ye, everyone say ye, and say that means me. Now just say we, ye, me for fun. Because he says we, and then he says ye, you, you are God's husbandry, you are God's husbandry, you are God's husbandry, that's a word that does not make any sense today, we don't use that term, I'm not his husband, there's no scripture that says I'm in a his husband, so that's not what it means, but that's what it sounds like, but that's not what it means. 
His husbandry means you are his cultivated field. You, there are scriptures that talk about the husbandmen, right? We're still not talking about man and wife at all. Husbandman is he who owns and works the field. And the husbandry is the field that he's working in. And, and Paul tells the church, you are God's husbandry. You are his vineyard. You are his garden. Whatever kind of analogy you want to use that, that portrays this type of work. Everyone say, that's me. I am his husbandry. I'm his cultivated field. I am where he works. I am his work in progress. I am his work in progress. His spirit, we sang this when I was a kid. He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. It took him, you know this, it took him just a week to make the sun and the stars, the moon and the earth, and Jupiter and Mars. How lovely and patient he must be because he's still working on me. I'm his work in progress. I'm his husbandry. And he says it. You are his husbandry. You are his, what? Building. You are God's building. Verse 10. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation. And another buildeth thereon. That's him addressing that Paul and Apollos issue, in case you missed it. God gave me enough grace to come in and lay a foundation as a wise master builder. Not because I'm wise, but because he gave me grace to lay the foundation. And another came in and built upon my foundation. But let every man take heed. Now, remember what we said at the end of verse 8. Every man shall receive his own reward according, according to his own labor. And now in verse 10, he says, but let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. And we thought we were just talking about how we find a good preacher. He's, this is an extension of where we started in chapter 2 when I was with you. My, excellent, uh, my speech was not with excellency and wisdom. Th he's still talking about that in case you missed it. I was just laying a foundation for another to come and build on and another to come and build on. And for every man to come and build upon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. Verse 11, For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, Notice he didn't say you, you, have to, you have to use just gold or you have to use just silver. No, whatever it is that you're using, however it is that you're building. 
and adding to this building, your God's building, remember, however it is that you're adding to this. Verse 13, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. Okay. We're talking about what we do with our lives, how we work, what we, what we do. We're, we're talking about working with God's wisdom, okay? Working with God's wisdom. I don't want to just watch somebody and do what they do with no thought given to it. Oh, he's seeing results? I'll do what he does. Oh, this is a good result over here. Let me try some of that. Oh, that's working over there. Let's do some of that. There's no wisdom in that. But I'm talking about working with God's wisdom. Pro I, I think the problem is I'm talking about working. And we love to do the opposite of work. Hold on. Buckle your seatbelt. Fasten your seatbelt for just a minute. This might be a bumpy ride. We like to do the opposite of work. I'm being honest. If I have to work, I at least want a comfortable chair to sit in and do it. That tells you a lot about the kind of work that I do, right? Man, I, I filled in, I'm filling in for somebody at work right now, and it's a person that resigned, and after about three days of sitting in their chair, my back was starting to hurt. And I started to look for another chair in the office. And I found one. And thank the Lord, my back's not hurting anymore. But that, if I'm going to have to work, I want as much comfort around me as possible while I'm doing the work. Because I really don't like to work. Ooh, is that too honest for anybody? It's my, it, it's my human nature. I like smooth sailing. I like... A quiet living room. My wife likes a clean living room. Amen. And, and we, that's just how we prefer to live. But what Paul is addressing here is every man's work. Every man's work. If any man's work abide, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. I'm almost done. Verse 16, it says, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. If any man defile, is everybody still with me? Is everyone still with me? What verse am I on? Amen. If any man defile the temple of God, 
Him shall God destroy. Think about the elements that we're talking about here for a second. I know I'm going slow. I know we've, we're, we're breaking this down to quite a bit of detail. But Paul uses the foundation of a build, uses the example of a building, and he laid the foundation. And I'm God's building, and what I put on it is going to be tried with fire. But then he shifts and says, you are the temple of God. So this is the type of building that we are building. Would you, would you believe that what you do, Brother Lewis, to the temple of God affects the greater temple of God? You are the temple of God. I am the temple of God. We are his building. For the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. told you I'm almost done. Now you really believe me. Let no man deceive himself. If any man among you seemeth to be wise in this world, let him become a fool that he may be wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. Remember I told you we're talking about working with God's wisdom? The wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, he taketh the wise in their own craftiness. And again, the Lord knoweth the thoughts of the wise, that they are vain. When I, uh, when I pray for my children, let them grow in wisdom. I'm not talking about this world's wisdom. I want them to be successful. Don't get me wrong. I want them to know all that they need to know. But I want them to grow in God's wisdom. I want each of us to grow in God's wisdom. I just gave you an example why. You are the temple. I am the temple. We should be growing together in him. Verse 21, therefore let no man glory in men. Therefore let no man glory in men. I see Paul wrapping up what he started in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. That your faith would not rest in the wisdom of men. But in the power of God. Therefore... Let no man glory in men. For all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas 
or the world or life or death or things present or things to come. All are yours and ye are Christ's and Christ is God's. Why don't you stand with me? Let's pray together. Father, we want to grow in you. Our desire is to become more like you, Jesus. Our desire is to become your building, your husbandry, the field that you are working in, Lord Jesus. We want to grow in your grace. We want to grow in your wisdom. Jesus, I pray that you would give your children understanding. Give us knowledge and wisdom, Lord, to know how to live a life that builds upon your foundation. Teach us, Lord God. Teach us, Lord God. In the name of Jesus. Come on, let's pray and talk to the Lord for just a minute. I feel his presence here. He wants to minister to us. Lord, I open myself up to you right now. God, I pray impart wisdom today. I pray impart faith today, Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, let us grow in you, Lord. Let us grow in you, Lord Jesus. I pray, examine me today, Lord God. Search me, Lord God. You search all parts of us, Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be quick in wrapping this up. On, on the Sunday, I ministered in Union Gap. I, uh, I, I was speaking. We were reading from the book of Psalms 139. And, and uh, in there, a lot of detail is given by David about how God created him, how God formed him. You know the passage. And at the end of it, he says, search me. After he's given a great display of how well he knows that God created him. Before I was formed, you knew me. All of these things he says. And then he says, search me and try me and see if there's any wicked way in me. What, what David is really saying there is, if there's something wicked in me, it didn't get put there by you, the creator. You, Because you knew me from before the time I was even formed. You knew, he says, you knew my substance. Everything that I'm made up of. So why would someone that says that then say, search me again and see if there's anything wicked in there? Because God knows us. He wants us to grow. He wants us to, to work with his wisdom. He wants us to be 
wise in our building. Amen. Let's pray one more time. Lord Jesus, I'm thankful for your presence that's here. I'm thankful for the truth of your word, Lord Jesus. I'm thankful that you would share these things with us, Lord God. I pray let us continue to grow in you, Lord Jesus. Continue to search us, Lord. Continue to try us and try our works, Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus, God, your word says every tree that's not fruitful, every branch that's not fruitful will be cast out. Jesus, I pray, let us become fruitful in our work with you. Teach us, Lord God, and continue to work through us. By your grace, we pray. In Jesus' name.